Welcome. We invite you to open up your minds and your hearts. And join us, for I am not that. Liberating the self from the self. And now your hosts, Tezra and Koa. All right. Hey, everybody. Aloha. Welcome back to uh, I Am Not That podcast. We had to take uh, a little break, a little bit of a pause, because we had to go and get married. We are Mr. and Mrs. Stovall now. Um, So I am your host, Tezra. I'm your co-host, rather, Tezra and... Koa. And here we are. I am not that liberating the self from the self. Yes. We are on location. Um, you know, I guess. This is how much we love you guys. We just took a, a mini a honeymoon getaway, but we were like, babe, we can just shoot an episode. Right? Gotta, so gotta this is how it. much we love you guys. We are we are doing an episode on our honeymoon, our mini honeymoon. That's right. We are down here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Which is beautiful. And, uh, yeah. What is it, Virginia? Virginia. It's for lovers. Oh, Virginia is for lovers. Virginia is for lovers. (laughs) So yes, we are down here, and uh, it is very warm, actually. As if you can tell, you're listening to it, then you can't tell by listening. But if you are watching, then you will see that we are glistening out here. (laughs) Yes. So we're gonna dive on in to another episode. Um, So just to do a recap of our last episode, um, Colorblind Part One. Um, what we did was we basically just kind of gave what the true meaning that we felt that people meant when they said that they're colorblind, they don't see skin color because some people were kind of taking it as a, a offensively, um, taking umbrage to it. But we were just discussing how it's more of the person saying that they see you more as a person rather than identifying you and judging you um, by the color of your skin. Not saying that they don't see the, uh, you know, actually the physicalness of your body, but just saying that I see past that and I see you know, your heart, I see that your humanity, I see your beingness. Yeah, we had a, there was some context issues, you know, so where some people were trying to mean it positively, other people were like, well, you're trying to say you don't see my blackness? Like, that was not what we're going for. So there was a lot of mix-ups in, in different, in, in context, and we wanted to even take it even further to even those who feel that they are truly colorblind in the sense of they don't, they don't pay attention to your outer look or your outer appearance. Like, are, do, are there even some, maybe some, some, ways that you could in kind of in expand that actually and to be more inclusive so we we really delve in on that on, on first on the first part and we're going to revisit that on the second part but uh today we have a, another show for you a new show for you and this one is entitled you're the proof mm-hmm. you're the proof okay so we're going to get into what all that means And yes, but we're going to start off with our quote of the day. So the quote for this show is by Audre Lorde. And she said, if I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. Mm. Audre Lorde. 
like that. So for me, I like that quote because we have to first know ourselves, know who we are, um, and getting to know who we are requires some work. It requires that inner work. But once you do that inner work, then we won't be crunched by other people's fantasies of who we are because we know who we are. And so by making your statement of who you are, by standing firm and bold and loud in who you are, you're telling people who you are. So you're not giving them room, you know, to create their own fantasies of who you are or to create their own, you know, mental constructs of who you are. Um, so when you know who you are, you don't have to prove who you are. And that's basically why we titled this You're the Proof, because we understand and, um, and by hearing conversations and by also having conversations with people, there are a lot of us who feel like we have to prove ourselves to people. And we waste so much energy in doing that. And when we feel that we have to prove ourselves to people or when we get into the drama of proving ourselves to people, we move further and further away from ourselves. So the idea is that knowing who you are, if I know who I am and you know who you are, then there is no need, there is no strife, there is no uh, conflict there because we're both are standing strongly, bold, loud in who we are. But you can only do that if you truly know who you are. And in truly knowing who you are, that means you have gotten to that level of self-love. You have gotten into that level of self-confidence. You have gotten into that level of self-knowing. You have come into that space of self-ownership of it all, the good and the bad. See, when we get to know ourselves, we can't shun the things that we don't like about ourselves and only embrace the things that we do like about ourselves because that cheats the process and we don't, we don't arrive at the, the destination that we want to arrive at, which was like knowing and, and standing in our truth of who we are. So we have to take it all together, the good and the bad, embrace it all. You know, and it's not about, you know, judging yourself. It's not about criticizing yourself. Yeah, there is self-improvement. Improvement. So when you notice something that is um, short-sighting yourself, then that's a part of you that you can work on. That's a part of you that you bring special attention and special awareness to. Like for me, mine is patience. I, I, I struggle in that department. I, I know and I've come to know that I'm a very impatient person. And so when that impatience, little monster starts to rise up in me, I have to be very aware of, okay, this is the impatience monster. So just, just relax. We're going to get through this. We're just going to take this moment by moment. And it may entail um, things and using tools of just living in the moment. Because when you live in the moment, then you're just in the moment and you're not rushing to the next moment, which is where the impatience comes in to play. So, like, things like that, you know, just realize where you're short-sighted, realize the areas that you want to improve upon, and then just bring awareness to that. 
And by bringing awareness to it, that means when it starts to rise up, say, uh-oh, ding, 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 here it is. What am I going to do with it? See, every time it rises up, it's an opportunity for us to practice. It's an opportunity for us to begin to um, conquer, you know, that that thing in us that we may not necessarily like. So just embrace it all and and shut up the 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 voice of criticism in your head, the voice of judgment in your head. Just shut up. Just tell it to shut up. Just shut up. Simple as that. Um, and so improving ourselves, it's like if somebody comes up to you, here's, um, here's one great example that my husband doesn't know that I'm going to use. Guys, I just said my husband, like we are married. It's so funny. It's all so awesome. Uh, funny in a very like loving, awesome, unbelievable way. Like, oh my God, we're married. Anyway, so my husband is a great example for me because he um, oftentimes does not fight and argue in order to prove himself or prove a point. So one, here's my example. So one day we're, we're driving and in New York City, and I, in other cities too, when you go to the crosswalk, sometimes there's that thicker white line that um, sometimes it extends all the way across the street to indicate where a driver should stop. And then in New York, it extends halfway across the street, I guess just to show where the cars who are parallel parking, where they can't go past. So by our house is a, a thick white line. I thought the thick white line spread all the way across the street. But Cole was like, no, it goes halfway. I'm like, um, no, no, it goes all the way across the street. And he was like, okay, it goes all the way across the street, no problem. Didn't have an attitude, was not upset, agitated. We just moved on to the next moment, kept going on with our afternoon or whatever we were doing. We got home. He went upstairs, I think, before me. And I looked at the street, and sure enough, the thick white line was halfway. So that is like an excellent example of not having to prove yourself. Um, you know what you know. And when you know what you know, either it will be revealed or it won't. But either way, you know what you know. So don't get so obsessed in righteousness and being stuck in righteousness. Uh, we just got married this past weekend. And so my family, my mom was here and I found myself being stuck in my righteousness with my mom. Like I, I found myself, you know, having the need to be right or having the need to prove her wrong. Um, so just be very aware of that. And so when I brought that attention to what I was doing, I'm like, oh, Tessa, you're being, ha, here it is. You're being stuck in your righteousness. So being, being, by being stuck in our righteousness, we will feel like we have to prove ourselves at every turn of the corner. And that means we will constantly find ourselves in a strife or a conflict or some sort of argument because we're so committed to proving ourselves. And when you prove yourself, you don't have to prove your self-worth. You just be your self-worth. And that speaks to people. So if somebody tries to downplay you, well, your self-worth speaks, you know, resoundly to know that, you know what, that's what you want to think, that's fine. But my self-worth is not dependent on your opinion of me. My self-worth lies and dwells within me in the way of self-love, in the way of self-confidence, of knowing that I'm a part of everything.
So um, there is an example, another example that I had that I never forgot this. And, and I don't know why this struck me so, but I was in college, and I may have told you guys this before, I'm not sure. But I was in college, and I was dating this guy. He was like an Omega. And uh, we went to an Omega party. So I guess the girl that he was dating, like his, his main chick, I guess that she was, the, because I was on another campus, and he was, you know, from a different campus. And I guess she was on the same campus as him. So maybe they were on a pause or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I was there, and, you know, and all of a sudden she comes out of nowhere. It was at the end of the party. And so she comes out of nowhere. And then, you know, of course, there was, like, you know, arguments ensued, and, um, and she was fussing at him, and then she says, you know what, you don't do this because I'm a lady. You know, you don't treat me like this because I'm a lady. And all I kept thinking in the midst of all of this was that, well, if you're a lady, you don't have to scream it. You just be it. It just shows. And then a person will treat you according to what they see. So again, and screaming, I'm a lady, that means you're proving, you're trying to prove to someone that, you know, you're a lady, right. you know? So it's like, no, you don't have to prove it to anyone. All you have to do is just be it. I have one more example. Um, a girlfriend of mine was on a plane and she went to go sit next to a gentleman and I think he called her out on her name. I think he called her a bitch. I don't think he called her a black bitch, but I think he just called her a bitch. And so she took that as a racist inflammatory um, remark. So she got highly upset, visibly upset, um, you know, trying to relay to the flight attendants who did not speak English, you know, the reason why she could not sit next to this gentleman who had just called her the B word. Um, so it was a big, you know, to do and a big scene. Um, but here's the thing. One, be aware of your energy. Be aware of how you feel about yourself, how you think about yourself, how you view yourself in every scenario that you're in. Because at any moment, if you feel less than or if you feel intimidated, you know, check yourself. And say to yourself, okay, I, I see that I'm feeling this way. Let me step back into my space of self-confidence, self-knowing, knowing that wherever I am, that is where I belong, knowing that I am a part of everything, that I am separate from nothing, um, knowing that no one is above or below me. Coach yourself to get back into that space because if you don't, then what happens is yet that energy begins to boomerang from your energy and then you begin to experience, you know, wherever your energy is. And so if you're in a space of energy of, you know, what is, it, what is this person, you know, I'm a, I'm just gonna say for instance, I, I use HM a lot, which is high melanin, but I'm just gonna use um, black woman. So if I'm in a space of, okay, I'm like the only black woman on this plane or I'm a black woman about to sit next to this white man, you know, and so there's a little bit of, you know, discomfort there. Well, I may create an experience of discomfort. And so in that situation, that is exactly what happened. But even if a person calls you out your name, are you that? Do you know yourself not to be that? Because if you know yourself not to be that, then it's like, okay, I'm sorry that your mind is on that, you know, lower level. I'm sorry that you're living in such a negative space, but, you know, I hope you enjoy your flight. Excuse me, may I have my seat? 
you know. And so that is you retaining and maintaining your power. And then guess what? That other person is going to shift, whether they want to admit it or not, but they're going to shift because they're going to see that they did not shake you. They're going to see that they did not strip you of your power. And so therefore it kind of puts them into check, you know, and not just for you, but for other people that he may come in contact with that look like you, you know, it could teach that person, you know, a lesson as well. So when you stand in your power, you teach, you not only are standing in your truth, but you are also lessons for other people. Um, and that is, you know, so, um, when you, when somebody says something to you and you do take great umbrage, like you do take great offense to it, why is that? Is it because you think that they may possibly be right about you? Is it because you lack self-confidence in whatever they're talking about? Um, Guru Muktananda once said, self-doubt is a vicious plunderer of joy. So if you are having self-doubt, then you are keeping yourself away from your happiness because you are not believing that you are worthy. You are not believing in your greatness. So self-doubt is a vicious plunderer of joy. So kick self-doubt self -doubt out. Don't let self-doubt steal your joy. If someone says something to you that could be insulting to you, and this is where don't take it personal from the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, don't take it personal. This is where this comes into play. Don't take it personal. You don't have anything to prove. If somebody says you're dumb as rocks, are you going to get upset? Or do you know your intelligence? Now, I may get upset if I really do believe myself to be dumb as rocks, and I'm mad that somebody else knows that too now because that's something I may be ashamed of. So I may get upset, but if I know I'm highly educated, if I know I'm articulate, if I know that I can handle myself in any crowds, in, in any sort of conversations, well, that's not necessarily dumb as rocks. Right. So, okay, so you think I'm dumb as rocks. Yay for you, yay. Okay, are you happy? Because I'm gonna go about my way, you can go about yours. And I hope you have a, a better day. Um, so yeah, so that is what I really have the thoughts on when it comes to um, uh, not having to prove yourself. You know, stand in your power. You don't have nothing to prove to anyone because you are divine supreme energy. And Mother Nature's supreme energy does not waste time on proving herself. Even when there's something that goes wrong that the masses of us do not like, she doesn't have to answer to us. And she doesn't. She keeps on doing what she's doing because she knows what she's doing. And then we see in the end, oh, okay, actually it did turn out okay when we thought it was going to be a disaster. We were actually okay, you know. So, um, yeah, so just stand in your, you know, your supreme divinity. Excellent, excellent. Very, very well put and excellent points. Um, I'm going to continue and, and piggyback off of that a, a bit. Um, getting maybe into some, you know, it, it, it's interesting when you start talking about how do you do that because we're all 
uh, individuals with our own styles, our own ways of doing things. So the how will shift from person to person, but I'm gonna keep it very general and then you can get specific with yourself in your own life. Uh, the, the, one of the challenges in what, um, in what my wife uh, was saying <laughs> One of the challenges in just staying in your power is is the society around us. Um, you know, it, it varies from, from country to country, area to area, but, you know, in general, I'm speaking to our culture, the American culture, or, you know, just, just the big city culture, or, you know, not like off in the woods where they don't have the internet. Um, you know, we're talking about cultures that we have to interact in a certain kind of way, and the society has all these rules and all these different ways that they come at you with, you know, propaganda and all that, all that good stuff. Um, how do we own our power? How do we, you know, you know yourself, how do you stay in that space and not get sucked into this having to prove yourself? Um, it really boils down to practice. And how you practice, that's what I mean, will be from a certain person to another person. It may be through your meditation. It may be through just all different kinds of methods. But it, it takes being aware and then, being, and then practicing. Um, we, have, we are in a culture, in a society, where they, they, teach, um, they teach us a lot of fear. They show a lot of fear. So it, it, it's, not that, it's not that easy to be so in your power just out of the gate. Many of us have taken on a lot of insecurities, a lot of different um, practices of fear. So we get into this thing where we want to prove ourselves because there's some kind of insecurity there or some kind of not really knowing yourself fully or the self that you know you feel is not that strong yet or it's still you're still a work in progress in, in that. So. One of the ways you, you can really begin to own your power, stand in it, and feel like you don't have to prove anything to anyone, you know, when they're in your face saying certain things like, like Tess said, you know, saying that you're dumb as rocks or something, and you know for a fact that you're not, there's still a lot of times that, that insecurity and all this stuff that's, that, that we, these labels that we've picked up on and, and just soaked up from our society that makes us feel like we have to you know, prove something, even if we know we're smart, we still get caught up in it. So it really takes finding a practice that works for you. Um, it doesn't have to belong to any particular, like, you know, the Eastern or the Western, you know, it doesn't make a difference. A lot of times just breathing and, and taking time to just, just be, just breathe. You know, there's certain, some, one that I like to use, it just kind of uses some different words. Um, because your mind is, is always so jumping around. It's called monkey mind. It's mm -hmm. always jumping around from one thing to another. Did I leave the lights on? Oh, I have an appointment tomorrow. Oh, man, I didn't even do laundry. I don't have any underwear. Uh, you know, it's always bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. So when it comes to being very still and just breathing, you tend to wander, you know. So sometimes you, that's why they have mantras in some traditions to give your mind something to be into while you're doing these exercises. So if you don't want to utilize one that's known already or an Eastern one or this kind of one or whatever indigenous culture, um, even some things just like giving your mind words to say while you breathe to focus on your breath. Like you breathe in, it's just in, out, rise, 
fall in out, you know just to give your mind something to focus on that involves the breathing aspect of it just so you can get your body and you know to a different level of health a different vibration and give yourself mantras you know I know myself I don't have to prove myself I know myself I don't have to prove myself and there's different mantras you can just be creative and come up with but we have to begin to practice things that involve being in our power um, because this it's not and not besides the fear part uh, there's so many things that, the, that our culture teaches us you know even even guilt um, guilt is is a big one it's it's taught you know sometimes it's taught through through religion but other times it's just taught in the society in other ways you know people feel guilty you know just about expressing joy just being guilty about expressing love you know it, even in some in some instances, dancing is like it's that's no good. You know, it depends on the culture and depends on you know what we're talking about. But different different sources will apply guilt to a lot of things that should seem like you know it, it, there's nothing to be to feel guilty about. Um, you know, there's guilt associated in such subtle ways you don't even realize it. If you're from a big city, you know, we're from New York. You know, if you're from a city. What do you think about if you're on the sidewalk or walking down the street or on a bus or something like that and a person's just laughing to themselves? Like, that's, like, he's a weirdo. Like, what's wrong? what's wrong with that person? Like, we have this automatic something. Like, you can't even sit by yourself and just laugh, laugh out loud without it being something, you know, wrong or weird. It's just that's the kind of society we have. So there's a lot of things built in that I feel that we have to not combat against, but kind of overcome and, and be who we want to be regardless of all these teachings. And it's so ingrained and sometimes so subtle that, that, that all you can do is practice. Practice something new. Practice being in a different kind of mindset, different kind of space. Um, so yeah, that, that was the, the one key I wanted to uh, hit on because we move away from some of the most basic things that you find in children but we think when we're adults we're not supposed to do that like we, we're serious you know we don't we don't play as adults it sounds ridiculous like, I don't got time to play I got bills to pay I, got, I, I understand we have real life things to do but we have to get back into joy and just practicing these things that will open up our, our change our vibration open up our hearts more and just have us vibrating at a, at a healthier space. I feel like these kind of practices and getting back to some of those basics will help you to feel more powerful and help you to really start to feel a good sense about who you are. And then you can get into those practices of not proving yourself. You, you feel good about yourself. You feel confident, you know. So, yeah, you want to jump in on Yeah, yeah I, I have another example that... Um, popped into my mind so our daughter she um her brother had told her that she didn't know her alphabets and when I say our daughter is is my bonus child now so she didn't know her her brother said he's always taunting her you know how big brothers do you big brothers out there you should stop it <laughs> but um so he was taunting her telling her that she didn't know her 
ABCs. Now, she's in the fourth grade, so and she's reading, so obviously she knows her ABCs. So a lot of the times I don't get involved when they get into little spats. I was in the bedroom, and I heard them out in the living room. So all of a sudden, I heard her, like, you know, fussing and rumbling, and, and then I heard papers shuffling and something like that. And so then she came into the room, and she had ABCs, her ABCs written out. So I said, oh, I said, what's that? She says, oh, because she already knows me. So she knew, you know, that I was not going to approve of her, you know, trying to prove her brother, prove herself against her brother. So she says, oh, it's nothing. Um, I was just going, I was just drawing. I was like, yeah, but these are ABCs. And um, she said, oh, I know, you know, but I just wanted to just write them down. I'm like, why? But you, you already know them. And she's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, but Jada said that I didn't know my ABCs. She cracked. So I'm like, yeah, she cracked. <laughs> so Jada says that I don't know my ABCs. And I said, so you wrote your ABCs down to prove to him that you know that you know your ABCs? And she was like, yeah. And so I was like, why do you feel like you have to prove yourself? Well, because he says, I don't know them. I was like, but do you know your ABCs? She says, yes. I said, do you know that you know your ABCs? And she says, yes. I said, well, you don't have to prove anything to your brother. As long as you know that you know your ABCs, who cares what your brother thinks? And so she was like, hmm. I was like, so can we crumble up that piece of paper? And she said, yes. And so she crumbled up the piece of paper and threw it in the trash and went on about her way. Um, so, yeah, but I, I like two points that you have brought up. One is the media propaganda of, um, you know, constantly, constantly keeping us in a place of fear. Because guess what? When you live in a space of fear, then you're so busy being fearful that you're not even paying attention to your own inner strength and your own inner power. Because once you step into that, you become fearless. And that is not what. Yeah, and let me just throw in there when when you were when you when it's being thrown at you all that all that fear, that is where you get your uncertainty. You're afraid, yeah. so you're uncertain. You, and that self doubt, which is a vicious plunderer of joy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it's unfortunately for some reason those behind the curtain they know if we as um, mass society. They know that if we begin to become fearless, when we begin to step into our power, and we say this over and over and over again, and we will continue to until we get one person that says, yeah, okay, I get it. I am stepping into my power um, without apology, you know, unabashedly, I am stepping into my power. Because what happens is they prey on our fear and they capitalize on our fear and they keep us divided and separated through our fear. And then this is why we keep seeing events happen over and over where it looks like one group of people is oppressing another group of people. Um, so, but when we all begin to step into our power together and we become to become enlightened together, then those type of events will eventually begin to disappear and fade away. And we become together and we come together in unity. We come together in unity behind our diversity. Because like we said before, what we see on the exterior, we're all just crayons in a box. And we're here to create a beautiful, colorful, you know, picturesque, you know, world for ourselves and for our children. But um, if we are staying in a space 
uh, fear of needing to prove ourselves when they say that we're one thing, but we, we know that we're not, and you must realize that I am not what you're telling me. When you know who you are, when you are being who you are, you don't, not one word is necessary. Um, I can, uh, one more point. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that that's that's actually behind the curtain, those you're talking about. That's actually their fear. Their right. fear is that you come into your power, that we uh, we, st we start to see, you know, the, the similarities from, of one another as far as just being beings, you know, that are in a, having a human experience, that we start to see the connection between us. That, that'll make the game crumble. That means nobody will want to play anymore. We won't be going for the nonsense. So it's like there's a big, there's a lot invested into it's keeping that, that, that mm -hmm. division and keeping that fear pumping out constantly because, yeah, the, we, we lose what we feel is the most important thing for us, the control, the power, and all that good stuff that they love to do, like to have. And I, I have um, another example. So I'm a manager at a, a very well-known, actually internationally known restaurant in Harlem. And so we get all kinds of customers, customers who just want to give us the damnedest of times, um, you know, who just had a bad day and just want to come into the restaurant and share their bad day with the rest of the staff. Um, and then we also have wonderful, beautiful customers, you know, who bring all of their happiness and joy and excitement to finally be there, you know, this is the pinnacle for them. So you just get like an array of guests, um, as in any business, I suppose. But so a lot of the times I want my servers what have a table that they're having a very difficult time with when the table either doesn't want to adhere to the restaurant's policy or, um, you know, they have eaten three quarters of their food, but now they're saying they didn't like it, you know. So uh, naturally, the server will come get the manager. And so um, when I'm the manager on duty, so before I even walk to the table, without ego, without like, uh, you know, in my power, like, yes, I'm the powerful manager. I know what I say goes. Not that. But just knowing who I am and knowing you know, my strength, that when I walk to the table, when I approach the table, 9.5 times out of 10, all I have to say is, I'm sorry, but we can't do whatever, whatever. And the guests at the table are totally fine with it. Oh, okay, well, thank you. Thank you for coming by to, you know, just to let us know, or thank you for coming by, you know, to chat with us or whatever. So when you step, and this is what I was saying about you don't need to say a word. You don't need to prove. I don't have to prove that I'm the manager and I have the final say-so. I don't have to prove that. But I, when I am in my power, that speaks for itself. So nine times, 9.5 times out of 10, when I go to a table, the decision is already made. Um, and the situation is already handled. Right. Coming so, from with, with, with just respect. and cause Yeah, the, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's already that I, I'll have the final say. I don't yeah. have to have the, I don't have to have that energy vibrating so the person feels belittled or it's like they're being talked down to. Right. It's just, this is just how we operate here. And yeah, you know, we appreciate you coming by. And, and, and they don't, and you know, it's not like they get offended like, oh, she's a bitch of a manager or nothing like that. Like they, they see the pleasantry. You know, feel. and they see, yeah, they feel exactly more so. They feel the pleasantry. Mm -hmm. They feel the hus, um, the hospitableness of it, you know. But unfortunately, and, you know, there's another trick in the restaurant industry that, you know, you say no without saying no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, 
the the point is is that when you stand in your power when you stand in your truth when you walk in that people feel that they know it when you approach them and so they respond to you you know differently yep. so yeah so going back to our quote let's see if it lands a little differently after exploring what it means when you no longer have to prove yourself to people. So instead of taking that energy and proving yourself to people that I am not that or I am this, take that energy and just start working on yourself. And like Koa said, the practices, you know, the mantras. I love the mantras because, you know, even if you are, you know, walking down the street, you know, and you say to yourself just over and over, I am worthy, I am love. I am, you know, of value, whatever, whatever that is, you know, just write it down and just say it over and over and sit in stillness and quiet. And if you need your mind to um, focus on something, you know, focus on that, you know, the breathing that Cole was talking about, the in, out, rise, fall, I am worthy, I am love. Just get really quiet because guys, that's where the magic begins. Yes. That is the genesis of the magic. It's in the stillness and in the quiet. So the quote by Audre Lorde, if I didn't define myself for myself, I would be crunched into others, peop other people's fantasies of me and eaten alive. Yeah. Jumping from one foot to the other, trying to please or hoping somebody sees you in the light that you want them to see you in rather than, I, I already know what it is. So it's okay that you, you see that. I, I know, so I'm good. So let's no longer be crunched by other people's fantasies of us. Let's figure out who we are. Let's know who we are. And practice that. And practice Repeat, that. practice that, yeah. So thank you for tuning into our YouTube channel or thank you for tuning into the podcast and listening. We love you. We are so excited for future episodes. It's like after we got married, we feel like a runaway freight train now. It's just like we're just plowing ahead with our message and with our, our calling. And um, yeah, and want you all to come along and get behind us and let's take ourselves to another level. Let's continue to make this shift. Absolutely. Of togetherness. Namaste. Namaste. One more time. <laughs> See you later. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at I am not that underscore podcast. And if you have any questions or any comments of any kind, we'd love to hear from you. That would be our email addresses. I am not that podcast at gmail.com. I am not that podcast at gmail.com. So yes, we'd love to hear from you till next time. <laughs>